everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and I have the pleasure of being joined by WEEI's own Rob Bradford. He covers the Red Sox for them, does a great job on their website as well, and you'll hear him on the airwaves in addition to that. Rob, pleasure to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, listen, no place I'd rather be. Let's go. Yeah, there we go. All right, hey. No, I've had a lot of guests on. I think you're the first one to say there is no place they'd rather That's be. True. So That's I will true. take that as a I mean, badge I, of honor. I, I honestly, like, I would have, like, I might be, like, I love naps. I'm not going to lie to you. I love yeah. naps. But I am so, like, the momentum has started early this morning, and now this just continues it. So I literally, there's no place I'd rather be. Yeah, and it's a crazy day in that, you know, we're on here, we're going to talk Red Sox, we're going to talk baseball, but Patrice Bergeron retires, Jalen Brown signs a Supermax, the Patriots mm-hmm. open training camp. I mean, there's a lot going on for both of us right now, including you over there at EEI. And I want to get into the Red Sox first and foremost, though, because although there are these other major stories in Boston, we're week away from the trade deadline. And you wrote a piece for WEEI.com earlier this week that you felt the Red Sox are a team that should be invested in by front office, by management at the trade deadline. I wanted to just get your take on why do you feel that way, given where they're at right now, kind of fighting for that playoff spot, a couple games out of the wild card, but last in their division. Why do you feel they are worth investing from a front office standpoint? Uh, Well, I will start with a caveat that if they lose like five in a row, I take it all back Fair enough. before the trade deadline. But I, I think this is that, there's just not a lot of times where you ha- you're presented with this sort of American League. Um, and I know the Orioles are really good. I'm not discounting that. The Rays are good. The Rangers are good. Um, but the Red Sox, at their best, have shown that they can compete with anybody. Um, they have gone on win streaks. Their record against good teams, unlike last year, is really good. And I, I just feel like... It- yeah, they are not the perfect team. They are not a team that you normally say, there's the 2018 juggernaut Red Sox. But you have to play to what you're presented. And I think what you're presented is an opportunity here. And I'm not saying that you have to, to trade Marcelo Meyer and trade Sedan Raffaella and trade guys who are going to be on the team. All I'm saying is that don't go backwards here. Don't, don't just add something. Show the team that you believe in them go and that, that this is going to be a push because really like last year and we, John, we, you know, we know what happened last year with the trade deadline, a big part of that, they can point to, well, we got Hosmer, we got fam, we got McGuire. Well, the problem is you took out a guy who was sim- was, was a symbol of whether or not you were in it or you weren't in it. And that was Christian Vasquez. That's to yeah. the people in that clubhouse. So I think that you can't do that. In other words, if they ever traded James Paxton, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, Chris Martin, these guys, I don't care what you got back. That's sending the wrong message. Um, So I just feel like that there's an opportunity here and you can't discount that opportunity if you have the, the, if you have a chance to sort of take advantage of it. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting point because, we talk about how good the AL East is. The Red Sox have a winning record against the AL East. What's killed them really has been interleague play. They, they've had a lot of struggles in inter, interleague play, losing record there. They have a winning record against every division in the American League. So despite the American League being as good as it is, 
they've played pretty well, but I wonder how aggressive they really will be. Because if you look at their trade deadlines under Heim Bloom, 2020, they were a bad team. And that was, I know, a truncated season. But even go to 2021, okay, they bought Schwarber, but even that was the discount of the two between him and Rizzo. And I know Rizzo, it ended up working out and Schwarber was better. But at the time, they still went with the cheaper option. And then last year, of course, you mentioned it. They move on from Vasquez. It's really kind of a thread the needle, but even felt more like a sell deadline. So we haven't really seen Heim Bloom in this administration really go after it at a trade deadline. Do you think they will do that ultimately, or do you think they're going to try to thread the needle like last year? I'm just curious because, like I said, we really haven't seen it yet. No, I think that it's all good points by you, and I think that you probably see a lot of the same. I think that if you can you can go back to 2021 – as sort of a blueprint a little bit where you, you make a good point about Schorber. I mean, yeah, Schorber became Schorber, but he also didn't play for three weeks after they got him. You know, that's why you were able to get him because there was a discount there. And the guy that you gave up isn't a major league player and probably will never be a major league player. And then you got two useful relievers and Austin Davis and Hansel Robles for guys who, probably aren't going to be major leaguers. And so, you know, that's what we're talking about. And and that's fine. I mean, that is fine. You know, I don't think you have to do the shock and awe. And to answer your question, I don't think they will. The only question I have is what will what is the Verdugo situation going to be like? That's the thing that I'm really wondering. And that's interesting, too, because he even said earlier this week, kind of a year-to-year situation. I mean, what – Given that that comes a week before the deadline, what do you make of that? Well, that's why I asked him, really honestly, because, you know, listen, we can ask these guys about contract extensions all the time. But I thought it was pertinent now because it doesn't add up. If you have still not addressed a contract extension with a guy at the time where he would get be getting the most value for him, which is a year and a half out from his free agency, then what's your intentions with him? Mookie, John, Mookie Betts, they tried signing multiple times leading into the 2019 trade deadline. And they still were talking about, should we put him on the market? Um, so, and, and Heim Bloom was in the front office in Tampa in 2014, where they did this with David Price, where he had a year and a half out. Um, so it's not like this is never done. And we can all agree that Alfred Uga is more part of the solution than the problem when it comes to the Red Sox winning this year. But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense to me if you aren't going to at least talk or, you know, even if you lowball them, like talk about a contract extension. If you're not going to do that, then what are you going to do? You're going to go in. All right. Play out the rest of the year. Now you go to the offseason and sure, you might trade them then. But this, this is the most value you're getting for him right now. So that's the guy I'm sort of wondering if we talk about a bigger trade, if he would be involved. Yeah, and I think Verdugo is a guy that if they wanted to go in the sell direction, him and Paxton are their most attractive pieces if they were willing to move on. Whereas if they're going to go in a buy direction, to your point, I just don't see why they would get rid of him unless it's some sort of big trade that ultimately gives them an upgrade in the end. And on that note, when you look at this deadline coming up in this Red Sox team that you feel is worth investing in, I, I agree with you there. 
What do you think it is they should be going after at this deadline? I think that you have to get a starter. Uh, and, I mean, this isn't a newsflash. I mean, they're, you're running out bullpen games two out of every five times. Yeah. yeah, And that's just not sustainable, and they know that. And I know they have Pavetta, but, you know, if you have the opportunity to keep Pavetta and doing the relief thing, I think you'd do it. Um, so you have a couple options, I guess, because of Pavetta. And, you know, if you want to throw Kluber in there as depth, whatever. But I think that if if you feel like you can get the sweet spot on a starter, which is going to be tough because it's not a lot of starters. You have Lorenzen out there, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez. That's probably a bigger deal. You have guys like Mike Clevenger. You have uh, our guy, Rich Hill, you know, uh, you know, but they're – James Paxson would get a lot, but he's needed too much on this team. So if you're able to get a starter, then fine. If you're not, I I'd still like at some point you just have to say to Nick Pavetta, hey, you've been good. Try to be good as a starter and maybe go out and get that right handed seventh inning relief pitcher or the compliment to Chris Martin, because there are guys like that out there. So that's sort of the, the balance that I see. Maybe they'll get both. Um, but I think those two spots are the spots that they need. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up. This is a Red Sox team. They're 17th in Team ERA, but I think their bullpen has been pretty good. They've had issues. Their rotation, they have 30 quality starts this year, which is 21st in the MLB, and out of those 30, 16 of them are from either Brian Bayo or James Paxton. So, I mean, more than half are from those two guys. I think you need another arm in that rotation. Now, if it could be Pavetta, all right, I'd be open to it, but I still feel like, you want to add someone in. And I know there's this talk of, oh, well, they're going to get Sale back. They're going to get Hulk back. They're going to get Whitlock back. Where are you on that? Because I think, you know, on one hand, it sounds exciting because Chris Sale was pitching really well before he got injured. So was Tanner Hulk. But can we ever depend on Chris Sale's health? Hulk's coming off facial surgery. Whitlock's been in and out of the bullpen the last several years, which has been taxing. I mean, do you have faith? that any or all of those guys would come back and make an impact in their rotation? Yeah. I mean, some of them, I, I absolutely, yeah. And, and nobody wants to hear that. I mean, you, you want to hear it, but I get this. This is the sort of the lazy narrative of, ah, oh, look at what they're going to do. Look at what Sam Kennedy did. He said, he said, we're going to get these, these injured players back and they're just going to be happy. And it's just an excuse not to spend and not to, to get guys. No, well, no, this is the reality. This is the reality that, you have these guys coming back. We can't ignore this. A lot of times it is, it is like, um, it isn't a reality. A lot of times you're, you know that a guy isn't going to be good or he isn't going to be impactful, but I got to think that at some point in the next month, Chris Sale's going to come back and probably be decent. That's my guess. My guess is that Trevor story. I'm really anxious to see him play. He's part of the solution. Um, even if he's not the, the best version of Trevor Story, I think in this day and age of baseball, he's a really interesting guy. Um, Schreiber, another guy, I think can help. Um, and then you have, like you said, Hauk, sure, it wasn't his arm, it was his face. And and by the way, John, this is a, a quick aside. He had his locker the other day, and he has this chain with a skull hanging from it. And it, what it was was, it was the 3D imaging of his face um, when he had basically when they looked to do the surgery and and they made a skull out of it. So you can actually see where like his face was all messed up through Jeez. this 
on this skull. He has it. He has it around a chain like a necklace. It's quite a piece of jewelry. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I might have to get one of those. You know, maybe yeah. someday if you ever hit me in the yeah. face, I'll get a chain yeah. made out of it. I, I think, unfortunately, I don't think that's afforded to everybody who gets yeah. uh, gets a facial injury. But anyway, so yeah, so I think that these guys will come back and help. But my biggest thing with with the trade deadline is that's all well and good. To me, it's just about uh, the message. The set, you know, we Chris Martin talked about it. Kenley Jansen talked about it. Just send the message to these guys that you believe that you're going to go for. And that can mean the littlest thing at the deadline. Yeah. And I think you, you're right that these guys are going to come back. And even out of how Whitlock and sale, if two of those three pitch, well, the Sox are in a pretty good spot. I do worry though, because if you do play that game, well, the Yankees just got Carlos Rodon back and they're going to get Aaron judge back at some point, two huge pieces that, it's a team you're fighting with. So I still, I would still lean towards wanting to add another arm. And, and I'm not saying an ace, you know, everyone is Shohei Otani. That would be fun. But realistically, if they could get a guy who's a second or third type starter, maybe even close to a third, and then you get Hauk back and he pitches well, or Whitlock back or sale, then I think all of a sudden an area that's been a weakness for a long time, all that could be a strength heading into the play. I mean, if you go into a playoff series and you have Bayo and Paxton and then either a trade deadline third edition or a healthy sale, healthy help, that's a solid playoff rotation to enter in with. Yeah, that, and that's the thing, John, is that, you know, we're going, we're playing this game of trying to figure out what this team is. And listen, it's a results business. You have to be more consistent. You can't lose series to Oakland. But in terms of having the pieces, you have the pieces. Like, you have the pieces. And, you know, you just rattled off the, the the pitchers. And you're right. I mean, we haven't talked about the lefty relievers. Holy mackerel, Bernardino, really good. Joelle Rodriguez, all of a sudden good. Uh, Richard Blyer, you know, if, if he stays around, yeah, he can be he, – he showed he can be serviceable. And you have those guys, and then you have Schreiber, then you have Martin and, and Jensen, which is the hardest thing to find, the end of the game. And then you have the lineup – and you go down the lineup, and yeah, you know, a lot we 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 bemoan the fact that there aren't the the big names in the middle of it, but you're getting John best case scenario from a lot of these guys, which is how this can work. Duran, Casas, Yoshida, Turner, you know, this is best case scenario. And when I say that, that's how they viewed this actually having a potential of coming closer to 90 wins than the over-under of 74. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, they're third in the MLB in average, fifth in runs, and sixth in OPS. So they're, they're playing really well. Yoshida looks like one of the best free agent signings of any team in the offseason. I thought he should have been an all-star. And Jaron Duran has come back from being, you know, really – one of the most maligned players in Boston last year to now he might be the Red Sox most exciting player and one of their best players in the lineup flat out. So I think you're right. A lot of these guys are having ceiling type years and it's exciting in the case of Casas over the last month and Jaron Duran of what the future could be. But I think there's another piece to the team in the lineup in the field because in the lineup batting again, they've been good, you know, third and average fifth and runs, you know, and, the bullpen's been good. We talked about the rotation, but in the field has been a major problem. They're last in the MLB in fielding percentage. They've committed the most errors. They're outs above average, and all those advanced stats don't look good for a lot of guys. And I know they just got Yu Chang back, which I do think helps at shortstop. Trevor Story, 
if he can play second base when he comes back will help. But I, I think if one their fielding to me, Rob, could keep them out of the playoffs. And I know we look at the starting rotation, but it's cost them game games this year. Is there anything they can do in your mind near the trade deadline to help them in the field? Or is it a matter of you Chang's back, we're waiting for Trevor Story, and that's what it's going to take? Uh, no, I mean, there's always something. I mean, the, the reason they, they, they're looking for like left-handed middle infielder, and you have that in Manuel Valdez, but you don't have that because of Emmanuel Valdez. That's the, the kid can hit. But at this point, to your point, like they have to prioritize defense. This is why Yu Chang's out there. Um, and I, so I think the answer to your question is Trevor Story. Trevor Story, you have to understand, before his arm injuries, was an elite shortstop. It was. He was, and go back to 2019, I think he was third in the majors in defensive runs saved. I just talked to Adam Montevino, who played with him in Colorado. He said that actually the thing that impressed him the most was his arm before his arm went south. Um, so this is a legit shortstop, a guy who wants to play shortstop and has earned the right to play it. And so, you know, you have that. Maybe you slide Chang over to the second base. You fix your problem there. You have a good ca- defensive catcher in, in Connor Wong. But, you know, let's be honest. Shortstop is really – the shortstop uh, second base situation along with first, those are the defensive – problems yeah. now first base i don't know what you do there this isn't like you're bringing in doug minkavich you know christian Cassis has to play so he just has to get better he just has to get better and and i don't know if there's another answer there but up the middle there is some maneuvering you can do yeah and i think the thing with Casas to me is i would be willing to watch his growing pains and some issues at first base if the rest of their infield was set. And I think because they've had so many problems at shortstop and second base, it's even further magnified Casas not playing well at times defensively. So I think that's been, if they can shore up their middle infield, maybe it helps Casas a little bit as well. So we've talked pitching defense, what they can add, what they have coming back injured wise. So I want to ask you if this team, let's say they get out of Hulk Whitlock and sale two out of those three back, They get story back. And even if they do very little around the periphery at the deadline, do you see this being a team that gets a wild card and gets into the playoffs? Yeah. Again, the good version of them. I mean, it's, 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 I know that's a wishy-washy answer, but the, 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 the reality of this team is that they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt. They've gone on eight game win streak, six game win streak. Sure. But then you lose a series to Oakland. You you have to at some point get the benefit of that. I think a lot of it is going to be how you're playing in September. Um, we're going to see some teams get hot. You know, I can make a I can say, well, you get that third, and I have been saying this. You get that third wild card. This is another reason why you should go for it because you play the Central Division winner, and nobody's like scared of them. But at the same time, the Twins all of a sudden are playing better. You have. You have Sonny Gray, you have Joe Ryan and Pablo Lopez sitting there, and they're probably going to get a bat. So I, I think that what this, not just, again, be wishy-washy, but I think they can absolutely be in it. They have, to come back to the original point, they have enough to do this. They have enough to do it. But you have to keep getting best-case scenario from a lot of guys that we're talking about. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if as currently constituted, they have enough to get into the mid, maybe high 80s and wins if they play well. And that very well could be your third wild card right there. And if they add, maybe they can go beyond that. And I want to spend a few minutes, Rob, before I let you go expanding because the AL East, we talked about it earlier, the Orioles, the Rays, it's a loaded division up at the top and the Blue Jays and Yankees still have a lot of talent. When you look at the American League as a whole, look at the Orioles, look at the Rays. Do you see teams like Texas and Baltimore playing this well throughout the balance of the, I mean, do you think these teams essentially are for real? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and I think that not they can be beat like we talked about with the Red Sox. I think they're a combined, I mean, they're 500 against the Rangers and Orioles, but it's, it's one of these things where the, they have earned, we talk about benefit of the doubt. Well, the way the Rangers came out of the all-star break, you know, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. And by the way, good on Chris Young for jumping the market and getting Chapman because their records since he got him, all of a sudden, this is an example. You get a guy, everyone in there feels good about it, and he serves a purpose. And my guess is that they're going to add, keep adding to that bullpen. So um, so I do think the Rangers are for real. And it'll really be interesting what the Orioles do at the deadline. It really will. And you hear different messages, and, and nobody has more young players to trade. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting with a lot of these GMs who have gone this route of the slow build. Okay, well now you have it. Now you, you here you go. Here's your opportunity. What are you gonna do? And I think that'll be. I was I was shy. I looked up. I forgot this, John Cano. You know, they're obviously locked down eighth inning guy. They get at the deadline last year. Hmm. Like this is this was the thing is that everyone was screaming and yelling. They trade Trey Mancini and you know they it actually that trade yielded uh Surrey to Tampa in a three way deal. And but but everyone you know, oh the Orioles, you know, they sold again, they sold again. Well, they got a, they got one of their most useful pitchers in the staff. So my point is, I just I wonder which team is going to go for it. Of these upstart teams, which team is going to suck it up and say, hey, fan base, you've been waiting for this. Let's go. Cincinnati, Arizona's done it. Arizona did J.D. Martinez in 2017. Are they going to – I guess I bet they'll do it again. So I, I just think that it all, it's all going to depend on how these GMs approach it. My guess right now, those teams you mentioned – Chris Young will be aggressive. Mike Elias, I have no idea. So to follow up on that, and you mentioned Cincinnati, you mentioned Arizona. Of those teams that have done the slower build up and coming, which one do you think is the closest to winning a World Series and should be the most aggressive? Ooh, that's a great question. I don't <laughs> – I mean, I kind of like sweet. Cincinnati is so exciting, but then yeah, Baltimore but they're, is they're, just so solid. They're pitching, you know, and – we just had uh, I just had on on uh, base, the baseball my baseballs and boring podcast John Sadak, who does the he's awesome play by play guy for the Reds, and I asked him I said what do you think the Reds fan base want the team to do, and he said it's split because they have so many young players he said it's split some want you know to go for it others really want you just hold on we'll get them next year we're gonna be good for a while, um, and they will be good for a while I think the Marlins. The Marlins will be good for a while. I, you know, I, I I love the trades that they've made because they have just been ballsy trades. You know, this Zach Gallon for Jazz Chisholm, 
AJ Puck for the number four pick in the draft and in, in, in Um, And then you have uh, a, obviously Pablo Lopez for a rise. I mean, these are trades that a lot of GMs never make because they're petrified and paralyzed. So, uh, but to answer your question, I, I, I think the Diamondbacks are going to do something. I like what Mike Hazen's done there. And I do think they're going to do something this off their history. And because they do something, they have Gallon and they have some other guys. If they get a few more guys, I think they'll be able to sort of right the ship after having a little bit of downturn recently. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think we've seen, you know, obviously the Dodgers are still the Dodgers, but we've seen a little bit of a changing of the guard in the NL with Cincinnati, with Arizona coming up, Miami playing well for long stretches of this year. Last question I want to ask you, Rob, because this has been bugging me all season long. What has happened to the San Diego Padres? I mean, this is a team <laughs> I thought they were going to win the World Series or at the very least be in it. They add Bogarts, who started the year off really well. Yeah. And I know he's tailed off, but started off well. They have all this talent. They get Tatis Jr. back in late April. Like, why are they most likely going to miss the playoffs unless they go on a run here? What's happened to them? It's, you know, it's it's a lesson, I guess. You know, and the Mets are the same way, right? You know, it's 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 a lesson that, you can have the names, but you have to have all the pieces fit. The White Sox are another example of this. I mean, yeah. the White Sox are the most talented team in that division on paper, but it's the most disjointed you know, team that you ever saw, and the results are the results. Um, so I think the Padres are the extreme of this. I still – we still have a week to go here, but I still would be shocked if they sold because I think an A.J. – Preller's fabric of his being, he always wants to go for it, and um, and they have enough pieces to get on to go on a run. But uh, you know, sometimes you just have to shake up things a little bit to to go on that run. Now they have Hater, they have Snell, that's shaking it up. You 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 trade those guys, you're saying, hey, we don't expect to win. I don't know, man. I, I can't see ever see AJ Preller saying we don't expect to win if they're anywhere within six games of the wild card. Yeah, and it's it's a team that I think baseball would be better off if the Padres could find a way yeah. into the playoffs. They're just so exciting, so many personalities, and really not just this year. Last year they were such a disappointment towards the end of the season. This year they've been a disappointment too. So it's a team that a lot of talent, really good fan base. Old friend Don Orsillo was their play-by-play guy. Like all these things going for him. And well, remember, fan, I mean, Fan Fest. Their Fan Fest was crazy. Yeah, like it was, it was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was like a stadium full of people, and and everyone was so jacked up. And meanwhile, conversely, you go to the Red Sox and people are booing people. You know, yeah, I know. And, in and a so small casino, like they're booing yeah, people. So what do they say, you know, it doesn't matter who wins the off season. So I guess you know. Well, the Padres is a perfect example of that. But, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think that it would be great if they go on a run because they're a fun team to watch. 100%. 100%. All right. Well, he is Rob Bradford. I told him I'd keep him 15 to 20 minutes. Of course, I went 27 minutes because he has so much great baseball knowledge. Rob, pleasure having you on, and I always enjoy seeing your content on WEI and WEI.com. Well, listen, John, it's no, I enjoyed talking, so we could have talked for another hour and a half. It's all good. We don't get a chance to do it enough on the radio because, you know, 
Patriots training camp is here. I know. And, and, and of course, Jalen Brown has to sign his extension yeah. today. So we'll <laughs> have to pencil it down to have you back on the show and talk. Yeah, yeah. It. No, it's all good. Anytime. I appreciate it. All right, it. man. Thank you very much for joining.